I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health and fitness industry to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer, your host. This week, I'm sitting down with my business partner and co-founder, Antonio Banash, and we're taking your questions that we've been gathering up, primarily from our private members group on Facebook. More on that in the episode. So we're going to talk a bit about exercising in the heat, how to exercise in a short amount of time, how to stay cool and sleep well at night, whether running is enough, how to measure your body weight, how 54-year-old male can stay fit, and what to do about high cholesterol. So we've got plenty in this packed show. If you want to submit a question to us, you can do so at info at bodyshopperformance.com. And we will then put that into the bank, as it were. And next time we're recording an episode like this, maybe we'll get your question answered. You can also post it in the Facebook group if you're already a member. So that's it from me. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello, welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Spencer, and I've got a new voice for you this week. It's my business partner and co-founder, Antonio. Say hello. Hello. We're going to do a so well, it's not a solo show. There's two of us, but... No guests to introduce this week. We're going to take some of your questions. We've got a private members group on Facebook. So if you put Body Shop Performance Limited into Facebook, you'll find our group. And we have something called the Green Room, which you can ask to be a member of. And you'll see a link to that from the Body Shop Performance page. And the Green Room is this small area where we've got about 117 members, something like that. So it's a small group there to share your questions about health, fitness and well-being seek advice from each other. It's a little community that we're trying to build. So we're going to put links to both that Body Shop Performance page and the Green Room in the show notes. But we've taken some questions from there. We're going to tackle those in this episode. So let's take some questions. How are you getting on in the heat, by the way? Not very well. So if you're referring to exercising, I Mm. struggle. I find it quite hard to exercise. This morning, I had a training session in the gym and it was really hard and I felt more sluggish. And yeah, I, I'm not enjoying it at all. I don't sleep well either. So yeah, I suppose which obviously has a knock on effect on fit. Yeah, exactly. So I struggle. I still do it, but I struggle. You're doing the same amount of workouts? Have you I tailored do. or changed your and we're gonna to come to this in detail, but changed what you're doing or how long you're doing it for? I do the same amount of exercise, but I have taken it a notch down, that's for sure. I'm not quite as pushy because I train, as I said, in a boxing gym, no air conditioning, the heat is trapped. You've got sweaty bodies all around you. So it is a ideal. It's an oven. It was an oven. It was nine o'clock this morning, but it was an oven. And yeah, I find it really hard to work out, but I don't want to stop just because it's hot. Yeah. So I did not so much of explosive stuff like squat jumps or burpees. I focus more on weight training. And the same outside. I still go to my circuit class, but I took it a notch down. Okay, cool. I've slightly tweaked what I'm doing as well, predominantly because of the heat. I haven't in Miguel's because that's a one-hour session, but I've been tweaking the stuff I've been doing at home, Mm. actually going for the full-on sweat experience by exercising in the sun but for a very short period of time. So we'll come back on to that. Let's kick off then with our first question. It's from Dom, Dom Drayson. And her question is, is it okay to run just a few times a week or do I need to incorporate other exercises? Will I keep fit by just running regularly? It's all I can fit in right now, Dom. So my thoughts on that is, I guess it all depends on your goals. If you've got a running related goal, Mm. then you need to be doing a certain amount of running. But of course, not exclusively. And Mm -hmm. even if it is a running goal, and I'm not sure at the moment, because we know Dom, what it is that she's entered or what she's got coming up. But 
even if you have got a running event coming up, you don't just want to be running. You want to be doing core strength exercises, cross training, so you've got a variety, primarily so that you're putting the body under different strains, whether it's strength or cardiovascular fitness or anything like that. I think cross training, Dom hasn't done the DNA test, so I'm not sure what her profile is of power to endurance, but I would say, Dom, cross train. And one thing I always come back to with anyone looking to become fitter in a holistic sense, but certainly physically, is you need to be doing a blend of low, medium, and high-intensity exercise. Mm. So low-intensity exercise will just be moving around your office, moving around your home, transporting yourself from A to B, relatively short distances. That is what we call a relatively constant level of daily life movement. Mm. And that's absolutely important. And I think one thing that's really underappreciated with fitness is how valuable that is towards fitness. And that, I think, is really important. And I know that Dom's probably doing a lot of that because she has a job and she's got young children. But when you say cross-training, what do you mean? What do you exactly mean by cross-training? Because yeah. I get that out. I'm, yeah, no, good point. I've got some clients running So I think it's two things. It's putting yourself through different intensities of exercise, but probably the more traditional explanation of it is just doing different types of exercise. So, for example, we both box. Yeah. We also run, not so much at the moment. We both lift weight. We do some bodyweight exercises. We've started doing pull-ups, starting from whatever level we're currently at, which has been really great. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite a challenge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean by cross-training. It's doing different types of exercise. Mm. And that just generally eliminates boredom as well. Mm. It gives people variety, which I think is so important. And one thing people struggle with, and we don't want to go down the consistency rabbit hole, but one thing people struggle with is getting consistency is not just doing something for a few months. And I think if you're doing one thing again and again, it can get boring. And then you're going to want to change it up or you're not going to want to go. And then when you chuck some heat in as well, people will be like, it's too hot to exercise. So we won't go down that consistency rabbit hole, but I've spoken about that a few times. So constant daily low level movement, moderate intensity exercise between two and five times a week. So that could be gentle jogging. It could be brisk walking. It's getting the heart rate up a bit, but not a huge amount. You might not be sweating. And then two to three times a week, high-intensity exercise. Alternatively, between two and ten minutes every single day. So that could be a very quick Tabata sequence. I'll come and explain Mm -hmm. what that means in a second. So that would be what I would aim for. Mm. I generally agree. I think just running isn't sufficient. I mean, it will keep you fit if that's your aim. And as you said... It depends on what your goals are, and it also depends on how much time you have. Always exercise needs to fit around your life. Your life doesn't have to fit around, shouldn't fit around exercise. If you have pockets here and there to do yeah. something, then you should use them. Yeah. The only thing is I wouldn't just, as you said, focus on one specific activity. And I find it especially, and that might be sweeping generalization, but just looking at the park run, predominantly women seem to hold on to this notion of running or mm. yoga and forget that there are other type of exercise out there which are just as beneficial to them than running. And one of them is actually weight training or just challenge your bodies differently. Mm. Because the other day I had a runner in a park run come up to me and said to me, she's a very experienced runner. She's done loads and loads of marathons and, and long endurance type of events, but her core is weak and it causes her a lot of pain in her back, mm. her shoulders, her knees, and so on. And Everybody tells her to strengthen her core. She doesn't do it because the time she has, she dedicates that to running. Yeah. So 
that's why I wouldn't just stick to one specific activity because if you just keep on doing the same thing, your body will become very dysfunctional because you're just doing one specific thing. Mm. So you need to stress it in different ways. Now, you can do this by, if you still want to train the same muscle group, you can go spinning, you can go cycling. You can, If that's important to you that you still challenge the same muscle group, like your legs, when you do in your running, then you can try spinning or, or cycling. But it's still a different stress to your body. It's a slightly different emphasis on the muscles than the running mm. and certainly on your joints. So I would certainly not just run i would certainly do something else as well yeah. and if you have several pockets in your week that are dedicated to running i would just change one of these sessions to maybe weight training or mm. core strength that's for sure mm. that would be my answer yeah i mean not to miss out an important part of what dom asked as well which is about time mm. and i want to just smash the myth that you need a lot of time to exercise mm. you can do some very very effective workouts in 10 15 minutes 20 yeah. minutes tops and we've been asked quite a bit, you know, how do I exercise in the heat? Mm. Should I exercise in mm. the heat? I think the should aspect of that question, you need to take a call on how you respond well to heat. Yeah. You know, it is possible to overheat. It's possible yeah. to get a heat stroke, yeah. sunstroke. So you need to be mindful of those things. It would be wrong of us for us to say, ignore the heat, go out and smash it. But to address that issue of time, you don't need a full hour. I've had people say, oh, I didn't have time, I didn't have an hour, so I didn't go to the gym. No, you don't. So let's talk about what you can do in a short period of time. I mean, you do Tabitha quite a lot. I do Tabitha quite a lot and because it's a protocol that works quite well. So 20 seconds on and 10 seconds off. and For four minutes. For four minutes. The thing about Tabitha is that if you really want to see benefits of it, you have to really work really, really, really hard in those 20, mm. 20 seconds. And a lot of people don't. You know, they are still perfectly able to chat or after the four. Because what you should be after those four minutes is absolutely wiped. Yeah. And you need to recover from them. So it's the intensity about these HIIT workouts that are important. And a lot of people don't do that. So it's a slightly different variation of HIIT that people do. Mm. They say 20 burpees or whatever, they get done in 20 seconds. And they're not exhausted, you know, they're still able to chat. Yeah. One indication of whether you're working out really, really hard is your ability to chat. Yeah. The moment you can't chat, you know you're working really hard to your maximum. Yeah. And that's really where you should be when you do Tabitha's. And after four minutes, you're done. Yeah. But you can also do something in 20 minutes. You know, you've got 20 minutes. You can do a little bit of cardio. You can skip. You can go for a run around the block. You can do some strength training. Use your body weight, push-ups, squats, lunges, and then the core. And then you're done. You yeah. Know, it doesn't have to be. Well, that's what I love about Tabitha. So in 15 minutes, you could do three minutes of star jumps, for example, to warm the body up. You could do a couple of Tabata sequences. Maybe you could do a squat. Maybe you could do burpees Tabata. Mm. Cool down, three minutes under a towel or just chilling out, three to five minutes. So I love doing this. So you've really become sympathetic dominant, which is part of the autonomic nervous system. This is stress, but you put yourself under a healthy physiological stress during those exercises. And then winding the nervous system down to parasympathetic dominance, which is rest and digest for the last few minutes. And a great way to do that is after your stretch, sit there and just chill out for five minutes. Mm. We end our, you know, when we do PT sessions, we end them with five minutes of breathing. Mm. So a client leaves really relaxed and parasympathetic dominant. And that would be 15, 20 minutes. Mm. So time should not be a factor yeah. in your ability the to intensity, work out. If you have it's the intensity. It's the intensity that yeah. matters if you have short. And that's what I love about Tabata as well. Yeah. You're on the clock. Mm. You're not doing 20 because you could take your time doing 20 exercises. Mm. And there's all sorts of things. People want to blow their nose and you just have a quick breather or, 
check your phone, whatever it might be. But if you're on the clock doing Tabata, the bell goes and you have to start again. Yeah. So the other thing I would, if you haven't got very much time, is think about isometric exercises. So that's where you're holding a still position. So for example, you might be in a plank. That's an isometric exercise. Waltz Wall sit, isometric. A static squat, isometric. A straight arm plank, isometric. So think about those sort of exercises because you just can't hold those for long. No. And they're a really good way of strength building. For me personally, they work really, really well, isometric holds. Mm. I've noticed that particularly in yoga when you go into inversion. So yeah. if I work on my upper body at the moment to strengthen that. And when I'm in a handstand or headstand, and I'm not very long in this position because I can't hold myself up for that long yet, I get stronger a lot faster than doing bicep curls or tricep dips. Mm. So it is really individual. Some people respond much better because to bicep curls and tricep dips and others respond much better to isometric holds. Yeah. And I respond a lot better because I'm holding my whole body weight, literally 65 kilos up, upside yeah. down on my shoulders and yeah. my arms. So that is... It's, and you're not going to need to do that for very long to get benefit. No, you don't. It works really, really quickly. Yeah. And so I, I'm a huge fan of them. Yeah. yeah. And, and speaking of that, you know, you're taking a great deal of weight doing yeah. a headstand, for yeah. example. Lifting heavy as well. You don't need to work out for very long. If you're lifting something that yeah. is very, very heavy for a short number of reps, you're going to do maybe three or four mm. sets, depending on your goals. And that also doesn't take very long. So the answer, I guess, to the question is, no, don't just run and make them absolute bang for buck in that short period of time you've got, Dom. Yeah. So I hope that's helped. We're going to move on. We've had a question around, well, from John Lane, who's a 54-year-old male, and he says, would like to hear your thoughts on starting getting fit again for a 54-year-old male. I've recently lost four stone and would like to start running and getting fitter. What is the best approach so as not to overdo it? Also, heart rate for training, is it important? Running with an osteoarthritis knee, osteoarthritic knee. John Lane. So, John, thanks for that question. Do you want to kick off? I would start slowly. (laughs) Depending on when you exercised for the last time, you've lost some weight, you want to get back to fitness and not knowing exactly what your history is. So the advice I'm going to give you is a bit general. So I would start slowly. And by that, I mean, build up really gradually from maybe going to the gym or rowing or biking, actually, because you mentioned your arthritic knee. And I would seek advice if you should be running. First of all, yeah, on a, from an osteo, from, yeah, from a physio, physio, someone who's f- medically qualified, somebody who's medically qualified and can see the extent of your arthritic knee, whether you're still okay to run or whether you, there are other possibilities or other forms of exercise that you might benefit more from. So I would start probably with biking or rowing. Slowly started from there, and sort of you know moderate intensity. You break out in the sweat. And then I would probably move into weight training, focus on the upper body and core and legs, obviously the whole body. But also I would then probably move on to HIT again to high intensity interval training. But again, you need a certain level of, of fitness first. And then that's why I've said before, start slowly, build up your aerobic fitness first and then move into the high intensity interval training, depending on your time and whatever you have available in terms of equipment around you. Mm. Yeah, I guess it will contingent on goals. But mm. first of all, we should say congratulations on losing four stones. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. yes. So well yes. done, John. Yes. We'd be um, very keen to hear yeah. how you've done that. I would also say, and we've not met or personally mm. spoken to John, but as a general point, forget about what you used to do. 
the thing with coming back to fitness when you're regaining it, having lost it, is ego can really get in the way. I see people saying, do you know what? I can't believe I can't do this. I used to be able to do 10 of these. And it stops them from, A, being enthusiastic and passionate about the exercise, and B, often persevering. It's actually a good point because a lot of people forget, and we get that quite a lot actually, people come to us say, I used to be really fit in my 20s, and then they pick up where they left, or think they could pick up where they left in their 20s, not having done anything for mm. 10, 15 years, yeah. and then really struggle. And you're not 20 anymore, your body is not quite as young, I suppose, yeah. and responsive to exercise, so it will be a lot harder when you are in your 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's an important point, not to compare to yourself how fit you were. Yeah, part the ego and focus um, on what you're able to do now. What you're able to do now, where you want to get to, and how you're going to get there. And I completely agree, start small, it's a bit of a cliche. But think almost about the minimal effective dose. So if I was working with you personally, John, face-to-face, I would want you to walk away from sessions thinking, I could have done a bit more. So it's not quite the minimal effective dose. The minimal effective dose is the very smallest thing that you can do that has a positive impact. So that might be something for you to think about, particularly around that arthritic knee. But thinking about finishing sessions, thinking I could have done more, and that way you will screen yourself against injury, Mm. which can set you right back Mm. mentally and emotionally as well as physically. I would also encourage you to have a mobility assessment, and Antonia touched on that actually about the osteo and the physio. Go and see somebody who is medically qualified just to put you through your paces in terms of your mobility because I think that's going to be very crucial. They might give you some exercises to focus on, particularly to strengthen the muscles around that knee, but also give you some don't-dos so that you don't worsen that arthritic knee. So I think that's going to be important. Again, cross-training, so coming back to that low, medium, and high-intensity breakup, probably for now, as Antonia said, focusing on low to medium-intensity exercise and cross-training. So maybe it's spin, maybe you're doing some hits, maybe it's, it's on the rower machine, you know, but dependent on what that expert has to say. But certainly plenty of daily life movement. And assuming you're okay to walk, John, I would do plenty of that. There's a study conducted quite recently that found that 10 minutes of walking had the effect of increasing mood and energy levels for up to three hours afterwards. And if you did that for three weeks or longer consistently, the overall effect of increasing mood and energy was more or less permanent. So walking cannot be underestimated in terms of its ability to provide you with a good baseline of fitness. The other thing I was going to talk about is we're talking about fitness here in a physical sense, yeah, exercises and so on. Yeah. But I like to think of fitness as, as being more holistic than that. You know, Are you fit for the rigors of daily life, fit for the rigors of family life, fit for the rigors of work if you're still working? So we've got a concept called the six signals. It's a methodology that we follow when we work with people, and it's very applicable to this conversation. So have a look at sleep. Are you sleeping well? Are you getting a minimum of seven to eight hours a night? And there's two books I'll point you towards. Matthew Walker, sorry, Professor Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep. Very, very good, and he's a brilliant communicator. And the other is Nick Littlehales, and it's a book called Sleep. It's quite a small book. We heard Matthew Walker speak recently. And he said that men who get six hours or less a night of sleep consistently have the testosterone levels of a man 10 years their senior. So that's how much sleep can affect your energy and your virility. And of course, a lack of sleep has far-reaching implications beyond just energy and virility. And by the way, the same thing can be applied to women. This part of your fitness program, look at how well you're sleeping. Get a tracker if you're interested, but it's not strictly necessary. If you do get a tracker, I would recommend the Ura Ring. We'll put links to that in the show notes. We have no affiliation beyond the fact that we have a discount code for them and we wear their rings. 
<laughs> but that's a brilliant bit of technology to help track sleep. But if you're just getting generally seven to eight hours of sleep a night and the composition of that sleep is pretty good, that's going to have a big bearing on your fitness. Your mental health. Are you looking after yourself mentally? Do you have things that you do to make sure you're parasympathetic dominant, to come back to that idea? So meditation, mindfulness, spending time in nature, what we call heartfulness, which is going back to doing something you used to love or doing things that really light you up. And it could also be practicing gratitude. It might also be doing something for other people. And there's nothing, one of the most rewarding things I do in my life is, is a contribution to a charity called Diversity Role Models. I give them my time rather than my money. So certainly looking after your mental health is going to be important. Maintaining good energy levels is vital for fitness. Having a healthy body composition, good digestive health. So all of those things I would suggest thinking about as part of your fitness regime as well. Yeah, I would agree. And I would also add that, yeah, body composition, when we talk about body composition is obviously, you know, a huge part of that is diet. And I think, you know, that's certainly something also should certainly be considered. Absolutely. Yeah, making sure. But you've lost already four stones. So I think you're probably well, <laughs> you know what you need to do. Yeah. Well, the only thing I'd say, we don't know how John has lost that four stone. Yeah, that's incredible as yeah. it is. Yeah. So putting a focus on nutrients rather than just mm. calories, making yeah. sure that what you are eating is really healthy. It's nutrient dense food. I'm very happy to help you out with that if you've got any other questions on it, John. Okay. Other things for parasympathetic dominance that you could also look to include in your program would be yoga, stretching, massage, foam rolling, meditation. We've talked about heartfulness. So things that are going to help relax the body. Because, of course, we've been banging on about this for a long time. Recovery is as important as training. Mm -hmm. So both questions we've had from Dom and John, you know, think about what you're doing to recover as well as what you're doing to train your mind and body. So that's probably all I've got to say yeah. on that. Anything else from you? No. Yeah. Okay, cool. I've got a couple other questions that you're going to read. Yes, we got a question from our client, Gleria, and it is around cholesterol levels. She says, hi, Antonia. I just got my Thriver results back, which is a blood test, and my cholesterol is high. I'm so disappointed as I've been eating so well. Although I have to admit, I did have quite a bit of birthday cake recently with all the birthday parties. Mm. I think that may be it. I'm going to be super careful from now on, hard when you're on holidays, but there's so much fresh fruit and fish um, here. That should be okay. Any other tips? Leanne mentioned plant sterols in one of her blogs, so you think that might help? The answer is yes. I mean, you can talk about this more than I can. But first of all, I would also like to say that, you know, the advice we're giving out on cholesterol here is not by any mean to be replaced with medical advice from a GP. So if you're concerned about your cholesterol levels, then I would always suggest speak to your GP first. But obviously, you know, I certainly have played around with a bit of what you call it natural remedies to lower the cholesterol because I have really high cholesterol as well. And I have managed to drop, drop it Right, when you got down. familial hypercholesterolemia as It's well. a suspicion because my sister, right. my sister mentioned that to me, that she's got high cholesterol. And I had spoken to my mum recently and she said she used to have really high, and she was even on statins. And mm. So I think there might be some family link there. But right. I have certainly realised that last year when we used a lot of coconut oil, my cholesterol just shot up right. I mean, I was not just high, I was very high. Mm. So I then changed from using coconut oil to something else I, we use a different type of oil to cook in you use the plant sterols because at the same time yours shut up as well yeah 
Um, so we'll put a link to the plant sterols yes, that we, we use. They're fairly heavyweight tablets that we were taking two to four times a day. Three times a day, three yeah. Times a day. But for me personally, they haven't really worked that much. So I changed to artichoke. So I, I use a artichoke extract, which worked really well because it helps with detoxing the liver. And also the other thing I've cut out is coconut oil. So I avoid coconut oil. I'm very aware of my saturated fat intake because it's something that my body doesn't really like. Mm. So, you know, I'm very careful about, I don't avoid stuff generally, but I'm very aware. So if I have on the rare occasion, a bacon sandwich, I'm going to make sure that during the rest of the day and for the next few days, I'm not going to eat another <clears throat> bacon sandwich or a pastry or cake, that sort of stuff. So I'm really careful about yeah, my saturation. Yeah, really careful what I eat when it comes to saturated fat and the fat that I cook in. So my, the artichoke has helped very well, a lot for me, but also the kefir. It was a combination of this, the kefir, and I haven't really done any real mm. deep sure dive research into this, but I just looked at something recently, a headline, which I didn't really have the time to read, but there seemed to be a link almost. Okay, that there some, might be some link. Well, um, we should read that article should, and yeah. make sure that it's, there is a link. Yeah, and we'll but put that in the journal. having a, yeah, a goat but, milk kefir is, is not a bad thing to be drinking. No, it's not a good thing. No, for gut health. So I just played around with different things. At the moment, I tie milk thistle to manage my cholesterol levels. And then obviously, you know, the amount of exercise. So doing loads of high-intensity exercise is actually really good for cholesterol levels. So, yeah, I managed to get it down to almost normal. So I'm on yeah. 5.1 now. So... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's all we can talk about, really, is our experience yes. and anecdotal experience from other clients. The plant sterols have worked gangbusters with one of our clients and with us. Mm-hmm. So, Gloria, I would recommend trying those. Moderating your saturated fat intake was my only other piece I had. And we'll put a link to the Thriver blood test and a discount yeah. code for them in the show notes. So this is a service that every three months delivers a little box through your door and they look for vitamin B12, iron, cholesterol, liver performance, vitamin D, I think there might be one other thing they look for. So it's a baseline service. Every three months you get tested. It costs £49 every three months. And as I say, we've got a discount code to get you £15 off. So that is really worth doing. Then you can just keep an eye on those key markers. Mm. And I've actually just had mine back and I'm low in vitamin B12, which I'm very surprised about because I do consume meat and dairy. And my vit D is just above the bottom end of normal. And I spend a lot of time out in the sun. So it's good to check these things every few months. Now, Of course, you can also go down the route of the GP and there's other services, but that's who we currently do a bit of work with. Okay, let's come to our last question. This is from one of your clients, Mm -hmm. Dom. Let's hear it. He asked me this morning, I'm a male, one meter 85 tall. And is there a specific weight that I should be aiming for or should I just go by how I feel? And Mm -hmm. my answer to that was, well, you know, from a medical point of view, there is obviously an ideal weight for somebody of his height, but he's, Dom is a very lean man, so he, he's not overweight by any stretch of the imagination, and he obviously is very concerned, you know, he keeps an eye on his health. So I said to him, in his case, it's probably good just to go how he feels, but also just keep an eye on the middle, so the stomach, so the fat that you carry around your stomach. I think that is something that we should all keep an eye on because that's the area where you really don't want to carry any weight because it increases the risk of all sorts of diseases and also some of your main organs sit there. So you've got your liver, your kidney, and you don't really want to have fat around those vital organs. Yeah. And so I just told him, you know, if you're concerned about your health, 
or a specific weight that you should be aiming for, I wouldn't worry so much because in his case he is lean, but just to keep an eye on his midriff, that was my answer to him specifically. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's take a way completely... to measure BMI, but I'm not a yes. massive fan of that no. because if you're very muscular, it can skew your BMI. Mm. Anyone who's watched my TEDx talk, and I'll link to that in the show notes, called Why Fitness is More Important Than Weight will know my philosophies on this. Go by how you feel. Go by what you can achieve with your body and less about how it looks. That's not to ignore the risks, as you rightly say, about carrying a lot of weight or fat around the middle, but it doesn't sound like Dom is carrying a great deal. So I would ask a very simple question. Is he happy with how he looks? Yeah, his answer was yes. I think he is. He's just concerned about you know from a health aspect. From a health yeah, aspect, you know, he's, he's got a young family. That he, you know, yeah, so he's he's, very, we know Dom. So different Dom to the first question. Yeah. He's a very responsible and conscious guy, conscientious. So I would say, no. Are you happy? I'd encourage him to look at blood markers. Are they okay? His cholesterol in particular, mm. but some of the others as well. Can he do everything he wants to do in life? Does he sleep well? Mm-hmm. Is his energy good? Can he keep up with his kids? Can he keep up? With his peers, can he keep up with people on the sporting field? Is he still performing well in PT (laughs) sessions, I'm sure? And I would ask him a question as well. Is the ratio of effort or sacrifice to benefits about right? Mm. Because you shouldn't be making more sacrifices than you're getting benefits. So if he feels he's going without more than he's actually getting benefit, then something needs to change up. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for Dom, but some people are a little bit more scientific and more analytic in their approach to their health and fitness. And, you know, obviously he was looking for some sort of markers in terms of, oh, is that what I should be aiming for? And then I said, well, it really depends. If you want to have a six-pack body, yes, and you would have to look at something completely different. You know, you would have to look Mm. at your diet. You would have to sacrifice quite a lot, but is that actually worth it? And he wants to have a holistic health. You know, he wants to be healthy in a holistic sense, the way we understand it, not just I want to be able to do 100 press-ups you know he wants to be mm. healthy for his family well so, i'd encourage him to look at it holistically yeah. to do our health iq quiz yeah if he hasn't already which asks him four questions around sleep for our mental health for on energy for on body mm. composition for on digestive health and for on fitness and we'll put a link to that health iq quiz also in the show notes great one to do if you just want a quick snapshot or scorecard on yeah. how well you're performing in those key areas of health and we'll also get a free 39 page report delivered to you via email once you've done the quiz as well so it's well worth doing and maybe we can get dom to do that and just have a measure in that sense i don't think there's a particularly scientific or analytic answer to it our philosophy is to look at how you feel how are you performing what are your energy levels like but you could also do some testing some blood testing would be a good idea i mean yes absolutely it's just that i think surprising as it might be he would fall his bmi is 26 he told me you know dom he is a very lean yeah man so wherever it sits it must sits around his midriff so i mean the other thing he could do is he could have a dexa scan which is a full body scan and that will tell him exactly where the fat is in his body and you can get that done certainly here in london where we're recording there's a several outfits that would offer that in central london and there he would understand whether he's got a lot of fat around his organs which Mm. is where he does not want to hold the fat but how much subcutaneous fat he's got outside the body as well, mm. outside, you know, yeah. beneath the skin. So he could also do that if he really wanted to understand mm. where that fat's dodging and mm. exactly how much there is. Okay, we've flown through. I think that's our last question. I wanted to touch on one thing that has been asked of me and something that I'm playing around with, and that's how the hell do you sleep in this heat? And I think that comes with a couple of things, really, a couple of tips for you. Being able to sleep at night 
comes down to your core body temperature and where your nervous system's at. So we talked about sympathetic and parasympathetic. If you're sympathetic dominant, that's because you've had a late workout, an argument, or you've been working on the laptop, or just getting revved up watching an action movie or something, your body, your mind, and your nervous system are not going to be in that right frame of mind to settle down for bed. Similarly, if your body temperature is elevated, as it tends to be in this heat, you're going to struggle to sleep as well. So take a cold shower. This is what's worked really well for us. Take a cold shower just before bed. Try relaxing the mind. So you can't change it. You have to embrace the heat. Yeah, embrace the heat. Take a cold shower, work with it. Relax the mind. So maybe it's meditation, it's reading, just doing something that's calm. I'm playing around with, you might have listened to last week's episode with Catherine Price, the author of the book, How to Break Up with Your Phone. And she had some really useful tips in that book, which we'll also link to in the notes, about how to get some more discipline around your device, not just in the evening, but all day. So I've been putting my phone onto flight mode from nine o'clock onwards. So I'm not looking at that phone for at least 60 minutes before bed. And that's helping as well to relax the mind. And the other thing that's working well for me is just lying still and trying not to move a muscle. Yes. I had an ice pack in bed last night. I don't know if you noticed, but I put it around my ankles and that cooled you down as well. In fact, one of our other clients who's a biker, she gave me another good tip about cooling down your body. Bikers race through the desert and really hot countries and they have to wear their full leather gear. Mm. And apparently if you put a really wet t-shirt underneath you at the top, it needs to be around your chest. Yeah. That really cools you down. So it needs to be really soaking wet and cold. And that's how they bike through the desert. Because you sometimes wonder, Mm. you know, how on earth earth do they manage in the seat with the leather on? It's because they have something really wet underneath it. And also they wear these buffs. That's apparently the most efficient thing. Soaking wet, ice cold buff around your neck. Okay. And then... I haven't tried that one at home yet. I might give it a go tonight because I think there's going to be another hot another night. Another booster, yeah. But yeah, I used the ice pack yesterday and that cooled me down quite a lot. Okay. The only thing is it makes a bed a bit wet. Yeah, if you can put a towel down. Yeah. All right, so there it is. That's how to sleep well in the heat. So if you've got a question, fire it off to info at bodyshotperformance.com. If you've got any questions on the back of what we've talked about here, or if you've asked the question, you want more information or want us to elaborate on anything, get in touch at that same email address. And we're going to run another show a little bit like this in the next few weeks. So gather up the questions, file them over to us on email, and we will get them answered in the next show. That's it from us. I hope you're managing well in the heat, and we will see you next week. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, bodyshopperformance.com and click on take the test and it'll take you through to a very short two to three minute health IQ test. At the end of that, you'll get a scorecard based on your results and a free 39 page report built all around our six signals, which are sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion and fitness. So jump on the website, bodyshopperformance.com and take our test. Finally, thanks for listening to this show. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard and it's added value to you, share the episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. And don't forget to leave a rating, a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.